podcast ain't played nobody. There's quality, there's premium quality, and then there's the free podcast that you get. <laughs> and today we are the free podcast that you get. Um, as you can probably hear by the sound of my voice, there was no cooperative uh, wireless connection in the part of Los Angeles that I'm in currently uh, at this hotel complex. So I am speaking to the robot via just an old, I guess this is just a plain old phone line essentially, right? Uh, yes, actually. And a cell and a cell at that. So super high quality. Oh, this is awful. Um, yeah. So this is podcasting. Everybody <laughs> college football marriage and numbers of words. Um, how do I sound bill? Should I hang up and call from the old school hotel line? Ooh, that'd be kind of fun. Um, it probably, does that even do, do, do they, do, do they allow you to do that in hotel rooms still? Or is that just like a thing? I mean, there's a phone here. There's, a, there's like a, a phone. It doesn't look like it's been touched in as long as this hotel's been around. So, um, yeah. So I'm in uh, Los Angeles working on a television project. Um, had some technical difficulties as well. Some scheduling difficulties. It is very, very early on the West Coast. Um, but we are dedicated to you, to the listener, who, I, as I pulled up Reddit, was just a litany of complaints this morning. So I'll have to get on and address those individually at some point today. Um that's the robot Bill Connolly. He's the inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus analytics system. He wrote multiple book-type things, including the 50 greatest, super bestest college football teams of all time with an asterisk. You can find his books on Amazon.com. You can find the S&P Plus analytics system in multiple places at SB Nation, but also every Sunday night on the recap show. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey. And uh, yesterday I had... Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it humiliating, but it was definitely a sign of my age in a makeup chair. Um, you yep. know, I've I've been doing a I've been doing a spot of television recently, all for the sports media and what such. And it's not like I'm suddenly a sitcom, you know, day actor or anything. But um, I sit down to go. You know, they put you in makeup before because they can't make your head your head can't be shiny and all this stuff. And so they're doing the normal the normal makeup that you apply for these kind of like TV interviews or whatever. And I was talking to the makeup lady and then like, you know, she, of course she paint, she just paints right over the circles under my eyes as much as she can. <laughs> and then we're talking whatever. And then I hear, I hear this uh, like buzz, this, the, the, uh, the trimmer turn on like the same kind of trimmer you would trim a beard with. And I was thinking, Oh, I must've missed a spot on my neck. Nope. She was catching two straight ear hairs. <laughs> So, I mean, it's better than for those, of you on the, for those of you on the Reddit who have tried to uh, submit a more embarrassing cell phone intro, I don't think you uh, you're, you could do better than what I just told you. So that was a real, and she was real nice. So she didn't acknowledge it. We, I was there with a total stranger who was like lopping two stray hairs out of my ear. Uh, so I, I guess you know because the show's in HD. So yeah, that's my life. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I mean, at least it wasn't nose hairs. That's kind of the last. The, the last step in that uh, progression or regression, I guess. We could have done this last night, by the yeah. way. Um, and I would have sounded like Godfrey currently does. Not not the phone part, but the uh, it's uh, this is not a time I'm used to using my voice kind of uh, sexiness, I'll say. Uh, but we... He, oh, he, thank you. Yes. Um, but instead, we're, we're doing it this morning, which means it's going to be shorter than it otherwise would have been. But that's fine. That's fine. We're... we're, we're proving ourselves semi-flexible and that's all that matters we're very important people with very important meetings today but we wanted to get to you guys before we'll be back on the normal schedule next week um 
we will be doing uh, S&P Plus on Sunday night and then jumping into the following week. But first, we're going to go straight to the tasting menu. Then we're going to wrap up with as many questions as we can. It's truncated, but <clears throat> that's just what we're going to do. Bill, are you ready? I'm ready. We've got a huge pre-Saturday slate. I don't know why it's now. It still doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why they're suddenly investing. It's very, very strange. In fact, just out of curiosity, Bill, I'm going to pull up and see, is it a weaker NFL game that's going on? Why the uh, the programming and something else? I mean, they they do this far enough in advance that I wouldn't think that this would be based on uh, the NFL. It's Dolphins-Texans, so, I mean, it could be worse. Well, so here's another, here's another, I, this is another argument posed to me. Why not be even stronger earlier in the season on Thursday nights? Because the NBA and the NHL haven't started yet. Right. So everybody's in season right now. Makes no sense. Uh, they, they don't have a World Series game because game two was last night and right. Wednesday night. So I think they, there's a travel day and then game three in Los Angeles. So, all right. Thursday night, October 25th, as, as you listen to this um, on FS1. Hey, look at you, FS1 and doing football. Uh, Baylor is at West Virginia on CBS Sports Network. Ball State is at Ohio. Uh, Toledo goes to Western Michigan. Maxion's starting to creep into the into the weekday schedule. Uh, hands down, the best game of the night: six thirty ESPN. <laughs> yeah. App State and Georgia Southern in Statesboro, and then the big one on ESPN at six thirty Central Time: Georgia Tech goes to Virginia Tech. Um, <clears throat> this is the best Thursday we've had all season. Not even close. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, it starts – all these games start before uh, 7 p.m. Central time. They're all, like, earlier than normal, too, which is um, – I mean, <laughs> you know, I go to bed, so I, I very heartily encourage this. It would be very weird if you're a Baylor fan in Texas, like, oh, I, I got to get home to watch my my team on TV at 6 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. App um, State, Georgia Southern, definitely just hands down the best. The best we talked about um, Georgia Southern is their only loss of the season was to Clemson. They have done a remarkable job of rebuilding the program after everything that's gone on in the last two years. Really, since our since our, our number one guy Willie Fritz left for Tulane, it's been a total disaster. Um, app is app. Um, these are you know probably I would say in Georgia they're the second best team in the in, in the conference. You want to say that? Um. Yeah. I mean, Troy probably still has something to say about that. They're, they're the they're probably the second most successful at this point. Uh, I I don't remember where, where Troy stands at the moment, but um, let's see. Where is Troy? Yeah. I mean, Troy's still three and zero in conference, so they're probably the second best team. Uh, but Georgia Southern is better than expected. That's for damn sure. And it's amazing if you think about these two teams are uh, each in their fifth season in FBS uh, in app state's case, I guess fifth season back in that top level. Cause they were there in the seventies, but um, it's amazing to think about the plot twists involved between each of these schools last year in FCS. And now just 2013, like I was, I was doing the same job in 2013. And in that amount of time you've had for Georgia Southern, you've had uh, beating Florida without completing the pass. Uh, moving up to F- FBS and immediately uh, going nine and three and winning some belt and then immediately going nine and three again or nine and four, I guess. Yeah. But that was disappointing in 2015 uh, that they only went nine and four. Uh, it looked like they had something more in store. Uh, they they kind of crumbled at the end. They got blown out by Georgia State. They lost Willie Fritz to Tulane out of nowhere. Uh, they make the worst possible hire. Uh, I mean. 
I guess I, it's pro- that's probably fair to say, in Tyson Summers, who after after Willie Fritz went 18 and 7 in two years, Tyson and Summers went 5 and 13, 0 and 6 to start 2017 and gets booted. Uh, Chad Lunsford does a remarkable job to go 2 and 4 last year, gets the job. We're all very skeptical of like that feels like a kind of a cheap cop out kind of move. Like, well, I guess he showed enough. Why not? Uh, and now they're six and one and in very good shape. And on to the App State side, they've completely fell apart at the end of the Jerry Moore era. Scott Satterfield takes over their last year in FCS. They bomb in 2013, like four and eight or something to that four and seven, something in that neighborhood. Uh, they start their uh, their FBS tenure basically uh, with a continuation of that bomb. They start one and five. Uh, they get destroyed by Michigan in their first official FBS game. Uh, they lose to Southern Miss. They lose to Georgia Southern. They get blown out by South Alabama, and they lose to Liberty, pre-FBS Liberty. They are 1-5 their first year in FBS. This is a, just a misguided decision all the way around. Since then, they are 17, 27, 36, 41-10. Uh, from, from the moment they lost to Liberty in 2014, they are 41-10 and 10 since then dominating uh, top 20 caliber. They are ranked for the first time in the AP poll. Uh, Top 15, I believe, still, or top 20 at least in S&P Plus. Um, just everything has fallen into place uh, just with a snap of a fingers. And it's been a – and this has all happened in five years. It's been pretty incredible. Um, Virginia Tech on Thursday night, I have a soft spot for it. (laughs) Tell me this is going to be a decent game. Uh, Well, I (laughs) – I mean, if we're talking about a close yeah. game, if we're talking about a close game, then certainly because neither Virginia Tech nor Georgia Tech is setting the world on fire. I've got SP has Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech, excuse me, by five with a win pr- probability of 61%. So, I mean, a relative toss up. Uh, if you're looking for quality, this, this really probably isn't the, the most high quality Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech game you're ever going to see. But in terms of closeness, yeah, it could absolutely be close. Did um, that sell you? No, just because he, there, there's concerns across the board about Georgia Tech. There's concerns across the board about Virginia Tech. Um, Fuente, the, the whole Fuente thing is really hard to, to quantify. And this is a game I think they really need to win to maintain even the perception in a down year that they're, they're of a certain class in the ACC um, as they try and figure out what – this team just doesn't look like it knows one, what it's – like or rather, who is going to be under Fuente? Um, I, I well, have one foot in the in, in the Beamer era. I'm not saying that positively or negatively, but I don't know if there's a cohesive sort of like you don't have that Fuente era feeling right now. Well, and a lot of that has been extenuating. You know, losing everything they lost this year. They're 67th in defensive S&P Plus right now, which is obviously not normal at all. Um, and you can really probably attribute a lot of that to the simple fact that uh, they lost everybody from last year. And, and then they had to boot a couple guys over the summer or lost a couple guys over the summer. Uh, they're, of their five leading tackers right now, four are sophomores. Uh, their eight leading – oh, wait, five, six, seven. Of their nine leading tacklers, there are four sophomores and two freshmen. No seniors to be found. Like Ricky Walker on the defensive line is basically the only senior on defense. Uh, so basically if we were to assume that they're going to be back to kind of a top 30 level, Bud Foster level at least, uh, top 30 next year, well, their offense is up to top 40 now. They're 39th on offense, and that's with losing um, Josh Jackson a couple games ago. 
so, I mean, really, you can make the case that assuming this is a blip for the defense, then their offense is coming along. They've got top 10 special teams again. Uh, so maybe that's a sign that, you know, Fuente comes aboard, tries to keep the, the Beamer defense while upgrading the Beamer offense, and then immediately has to deal with not really having a quarterback. Um, maybe this is a sign that the pieces are starting to fall together. Like, Stephen, let's see, Stephen Peoples running back, uh, and then Ricky Walker, uh, defensive lineman, are the only seniors right now. Um, outside of the offensive yeah. line, that I'm not sure about. So maybe maybe things are coming along just fine. It's just they had these, this adversity they had to overcome first, and, and next year they'll be fine. We'll see. Obviously, I don't know for sure. That's, that's massive speculation, so we'll see. Yeah, there's just a lot of questions around that program, mm-hmm. like for the longer term and the short term. Um, I still think it was a slam dunk hire. I just, I don't know, things need to translate yeah, a little bit better. Process right, and outcome. It. It, was a great, it was a great process. The outcome is, is yet to be determined. Yes, and it, it's kind of a slow play up there. Um, okay, Friday. <clears throat> you know, it's Friday. It's not too bad. Uh, Louisiana Tech goes to FAU at 5.30 Central Time on CBS Sports Network. The U is at Boston College at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, FS1 has Indiana and Minnesota at 7 p.m. Wyoming goes to Colorado State. The battle of the boot. Is it battle for the boot? Because there is no actual geographic boot. I I believe it is battle for the boot at Um, 9 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Um, And then Utah goes to UCLA at 9.30. All right. Well, battle for the golden boot is LSU-Arkansas. Let me – I wasn't specific. Yeah, that's like totally fake and made up. Like that, that one was made up like very hastily when Uh, Arkansas joined the league. The official title, according to Wikipedia, is the Border War. They play for the bronze boot. Oh, okay. The Border War. Yes. Um, All right. So let's break this down. Uh, Utah at UCLA has major Pac-12 South implications. That is a factual statement. (laughs) Yes, it is. I I mean, it's. Utah has been incredible the last three weeks, and now they basically have to prove that they can sustain it because they go to UCLA this week and Arizona State next week, uh, on, both on the road. Um, if they win those yeah. games, they, you know, they, well, I mean, actually, I mean, they've got a lot of work still to do. They win those games, they return home to play Oregon, then they play at Colorado. So every single one of their – they are by far the best team in the, in the Pac-12 South right now, but they also had three road games in four, four weeks. Uh, lots to be determined here. They, I, I think they have the best team moving forward, but that's a, that, that is a very, very tricky schedule to maneuver. Uh, and it might – because they've already lost twice in conference, they might have to win out, or at least if they drop one, they better not beat a Colorado. Um. So, Louisiana Tech and FAU. Mm-hmm. What's going on at FAU, Bill? Yeah, we – Remember we, when uh, they were – Remember they, they were going to upset Oklahoma and then <laughs> they were going to become a G-thought. Remember all that? Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, guys, do you remember FAU? Do you remember FAU outside of the context of, of Lane Kiffin? Yeah, there were basically a couple of massive, like, caveats when we were – and, I mean, I was in I'm, – I'm not going to say other people were doing it. I was all in. I, I thought that the combination of Kiffin and Devin Singletary, and they had Jovan Durant, Durante, the the old the former West Virginia receiver, coming in, and uh, Willie Wright's a transfer, I believe. Uh, they had, like, a, their entire defense back. Like, I was I – was, I was in. I, I, I thought that was enough to overcome basically what was going to be two major questions. Number one, who's going to play quarterback? Um Rafe Peavy, the old four-star Arkansas signee um, from some country town in Missouri. I don't remember which one. Uh, he was coming aboard. This Chris Robinson kid, uh, the freshman who, had, who has started, 
he, he was very well regarded, super skinny, but whatever. Uh, and then he had that, you know, then Kiffin hires like 14 year old uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. as his offensive coordinator. There are two massive youth question marks there, but I thought, you know, there, there was enough yeah. lo- otherwise that they were going to still be pretty good. Well, their defense fell apart, which is confusing. Um, obviously, they lost. Didn't they lose Chris Kiffin and, and brought on, they brought on Pecoraro, right? Isn't that what happened? Chris Kiffin, yes, Chris Kiffin has a kind of a minor show cause and went to the 49ers, I believe. Yeah, okay. And so he brought in um, what was on paper a very nice uh, defensive coordinator hire, Tony Pecoraro from, uh, what, Southern Miss. Uh, it has not worked. It just it hasn't worked at all. Like, the offense is still 43rd, which uh, isn't as good as last year, but isn't horrible by any means. Uh, they are dreadfully inefficient defensively. They, uh, you know, they've given up, let's see, at least 25 points in every game. Uh, 56 to Central Florida, 63 to OU, uh, 31 last week at Marshall. Uh, so they, yeah, they they really have just. There are a couple question marks that that they didn't get great answers for, and their defense has just vanished. And so I, I really, it's it's surprising. I the, the fact that they, this has turned into a race hasn't surprised me, but they just they've looked really sketchy, and uh, that is a surprise. Right now, the Conference USA standings are still a mess. By the way, it's it's a glorious, glorious mess. Yeah, USA. Um, you've got it's very much a soup. You've got, let's see, you've I've got, got uh, it's, well, it's really funny because of all the teams that we get yelled at for like, hey, you didn't talk about this, you didn't talk about this. Louisiana Tech bears at least, you know, uh, mentioning occasionally. It's just yeah. that, one, you're in the CUSA, which is the least discussed of all the conferences. And then they took that loss to UAB. We kind of know now that that wasn't the end of the world. No. They won their next two games. This is a good team. This is a yeah. good team. that I'll, They're 5-2. and two, They still have a shot at actually – I mean, pretty much everybody has a shot at winning. Right. Thing. Yeah. I mean, like in, in the, in the CUSA West right now, you've got probably the two teams, um, the, the most generally proven teams are North Texas and Southern Miss. Well, North Texas is two and two. They're awesome, but they're two and two. Southern Miss is two and one. La yeah. Tech is three and one. UAB is threatening to run away with it at four and zero. Oh. And in the East, you've got three and oh, FIU who has been kind of, who has been good, but kind of smoke and mirrors. Um, Middle Tennessee's at three and one Marshall's at three and one. And then FAU uh, still only got two losses. If they decide to get it together, they're not out of the picture. Uh, Charlotte also is two and two, but I'm going to ignore that for now. Um, no, that's – I mean, wow. this could be for, – for what they lack in overall, like, standout quality, uh, there are a lot of teams that are very similar, and, and this – the whole apple cart has been turned upside down, like, four times already. So it could be a really weird race here in November. And no one will notice because it's the QSA. And there are they, they that, different that slot on BN. They have that slot on BN every week, you know, that. Yeah. Be sure to tune in to Stadium uh, on Facebook. Uh, Bill. Yeah. I, you know what? On this Friday slate, there isn't actually a bad game, in my opinion. I know Wyoming-Colorado State has definitely lost some luster, but it is a very, very serious rivalry game to those schools, so it's worth checking out. Um, you can make a, somewhat of an argument that Indiana and Minnesota will have a certain level of watchability. I think Miami and Boston College will have a – I mean, th- there's quality there. Mm-hmm. Across the board, I think, God, we're going to have to do a pick on Friday. Like, we're going to have to set you up. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think my pick has to be Utah at UCLA. Yeah. Um, UCLA is watchable. There's no way around it. UCLA is watchable yeah. all U- of a sudden. And, uh, and Utah is good. So. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just as a, as a quick, like, number one, Miami is still better. Like, we've given up on them, and that's probably fair, but they're better than 
give up a bowl. <laughs> they still might uh, ju- do just fine and win the ACC Coastal. So you've got that. But also I will throw a pitch for uh, the desperation involved with Indiana-Minnesota. Right now, uh, SP bowl, odds of bowl eligibility. Indiana, it's 47%. And Minnesota, it's uh, 43%. Basically, the winner's probably oh, wow. – and the, the winner's probably bowling and the loser probably isn't. Uh, so that, that alone. That's an excellent way to set that table, honestly. Yeah, so because they're gonna, they're both, both of those coaches. Yeah, both of those coaches, Tom Allen and, um, and PJ, I wouldn't say promise, but kind of swore that there would be <laughs> pretty strong immediate culture changes in those two programs. And they are exactly where you would expect Indiana and Minnesota to be. So somebody needs to catch a little fire. I'm not, it's not a hot seat thing at all right now. Right. I'm just saying, no. like, you, this is it, one of these, one of these coaching administrations is definitely going to be failing to deliver on, on, you know, pieces of a larger rehabilitation plan. So, right. all right. Uh, hell of a Friday night, hell of a Thursday night. We're off to a great damn start. Let's go to Saturday. <laughs> go to Saturday. Are, are we, are we, are we saying all those in, in Pacific time zone? Uh, you know, so the, we start at nine since you're in the Pacific time zone right now. No, but I will say this. Uh, I'll, I'll be back in God's country uh, for the weekend. But um, I will say this. Just anecdotally, I, I, I had a meeting last night with some people. And uh, we're at a restaurant. And I look up. And I'm just finishing my meal. And, the, like, the World Series game is over. And I check oh, my great. watch. And, like, I was it, – it's just like I'm done. And, like, you feel like you've gone out, had dinner, had drinks. And you're, like, back in the bed at 9. It's pretty amazing. Hell, yeah. No, it's, it's great. Because, I mean, Atlanta, I'm up, I love I'm up. your setup. Yeah, no, I'm up at nine. So like the fact that everything starts early on Saturdays is great. And then, yeah, not, not having to stay up till like 1230 PM and I'm not even Eastern time zone, not having to stay up past midnight to watch the last games of the day would just be amazing. I'm old. I need help. I need to move West. Apparently. The West coast, I will say the the West coast schedule for viewing is pretty great. I mean, the idea of waking, the idea of like being a little bit younger, just kind of rolling out of the bed and getting those morning slate of college football games or, you know, NFL or what have you. It's, it's really enticing. Um, <laughs> all right, Bill. Uh, let's go to Saturday, starting at 11 a.m. God's time. CBS Sports Network has Army going to Eastern Michigan. Uh, Nebraska hosts Bethune-Cookman looking for that second win of the season. Central Michigan is at Akron on ESPN Extra. ABC has Clemson, Florida State at 11 a.m. Oh, how that amazing game has fallen. Uh, Purdue at Michigan State, 11 a.m. on ESPN. ESPN2 at Texas Tech at Iowa State. UMass is at UConn, 11 a.m. on ESPNU. The SEC Network has Vanderbilt at Arkansas. Speaking of ugh, Wake Forest goes to Louisville at 11 a.m. on the uh, super weirdo ACC thing. Fox has Wisconsin at Northwestern. Interesting choice for mainstream Fox there. Uh, North Carolina goes to Virginia at 1120 on the ACC network. Uh, yep. uh, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Um, and then that clears us up all the way until 2 p.m. So, um, Desperation, lots with, and lots of desperation uh, in the morning slot. Yeah. Here. Even with the, the circumstances at Florida State relative to their normal brand, uh, it's still the pick. I don't think they're going to win. I'm just curious how long they survive. That's uh yeah uh, I mean it's kind of I did a lot of radio things yesterday and one like I, I brought this up a couple times like basically yeah that's probably not a game Clemson probably wins by 17 points but um, yeah. there's a chance in one of these games one thing we don't know about yet is you know how hey Trevor Lawrence how are you gonna do uh, in a hostile environment in a in a game that's maybe closer than it should be in the fourth quarter. 
Um, and there's at least a chance that that's how this plays out. Uh, yeah, S&P has them projected to win by 19. So it's, I'm not going to oversell. I'm not going to overplay this hand here. But uh, there is a chance that Florida State, who is improving, they're not amazing yet by any stretch of the imagination, but they are improving. Uh, their defense is good. Their offense still st- mostly stinks, has shown spots of life here and there, and, and did score 38 points last week. Uh, but their defense is good and could pick off some passes, could make life hard for Trevor Lawrence for a little bit, and how he responds to that. He might respond just fine, but that is something that's kind of out there. That's a game. I don't know if I'm going to recommend that game. Hey, watch this from the start, although – uh, no, really know what else I'm going to choose here, but that is a game that you need right. to monitor. And, and it might be a situation where like about one, about 1 PM, you're like, all right, this is the game I'm watching the rest of this, uh, the rest of this shift. Uh, Texas tech at Iowa state. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, Purdue at Michigan um, state, Purdue versus Michigan state versus a giant hangover. That's, that's something that could be interesting yeah. to watch. Um, Arkansas this is their best chance at a conference win. They're actually underdogs. That surprised me a little bit. Vandy's like a one and a half point favorite or something, which I didn't really expect. Uh, <coughs> speaking wow, of desperation, I wonder if that's ever happened. Yeah, I wonder no. if that's ever happened. Vanderbilt going to either Fayetteville or Little Rock. I would have to assume not. Uh, and just generally that's speaking, Vanderbilt as a road favorite in conference play. Um, that's, a, that's a unicorn, I guess. But speaking of desperation, uh, Wake Forest, yeah. Louisville. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> In synchronization. Um, Louisville, as Jason, I think it was Jason uh, pointed out earlier this week, technically speaking, uh, the source of wakey leaks could be what gets uh, Bobby Petrino fired. Uh, I doubt it. I think Louisville wins that game, but I'm not going to even pretend to bet any money on that. It's still very hard to read that situation because of the volatility in the athletic department. Right. Um, <clears throat> Everybody has just sort of bought into this whole Braum thing. And, yes, it does make the most sense. And, yes, there is interest. And, you know, you're you're not wrong in any of those assumptions. However, a lot still needs to happen. And we don't really know what the temperature is at Louisville. We really don't. There's too many many weird changes that have gone on the last year or two. Uh, You know, it's a very hard situation to read, a lot harder than people realize. And um, if I had to bet, I would say it happens, but I don't know. I, I don't know if it would be a mid-season or an in-season. Right. I, I really don't see a reason to do that. Right. Um, no, no, I don't think so either. Especially, especially if your target is Brom. Right. I don't, I, I don't think that gives you any kind of advantage one way or the other. No. Uh, I mean, it bears mentioning, like, okay, so even if they beat Wake Forest, the projections the rest of the year at Clemson uh, – Lose by 33 is the S&P Plus uh, projection. At Syracuse, lose by 12. NC State at home, lose by 11. Kentucky at home, lose by 13. Uh, They are double-digit underdogs the rest of the way. So if they don't, you could technically say, like, if they don't beat Wake Forest and you fall to 2-6, and you can almost kind of make the assumption, okay, we're about to be 2-10. and We might as well get this over with now. Uh, But, again, yeah, if if your idea is that Braum is your number one candidate and your number two candidate and your number three candidate, yeah, he's not going anywhere before the end of the regular season. So you you aren't in a rush here. Uh, Let's move on to the afternoon. I guess so the pick there is Florida State, Clemson, and then you can kind of – you can kind of peruse with, with some interest. Yeah. It's a high-stress morning for a lot of programs yeah. that aren't particularly and, interesting to watch. And, and, and one a last word about Tech that I didn't say earlier, for Texas Tech-Iowa State. Texas Tech is still very much in the Big 12 race. Uh, the winner of that game is still very much in the Big 12 race. And so that's – I mean, The ceiling for Texas Tech is higher than it should be. The floor is, is, is as low as we expected. And sure. Like, there's still a chance – 
they completely eat it down the stretch. I I personally don't think they will. I think they've done some <clears throat> some wizardry with all of it with the quarterback rotation. Yeah. Um. That really kind of honestly, there's nobody's talking about it, but Kingsbury is just taping together like oh, yeah. traps and creating quarterbacks and sending them out there and winning games. So, <laughs> yeah, and if um, they win, if they do figure out how to win, they're basically a one-point underdog per S&P. Uh, if they win this game, they get Oklahoma and Texas at home the next two weeks. Uh, and they, they, they will they will be 4-1 and one in conference play with Oklahoma and Texas coming to Lubbock for the next two weeks. So that's like that part of last week. What made last week fun was like reminders that you can get super hyped and have really fun environments in West Lafayette and, and Pullman. Well, Lubbock's up next if they figure – well, even if they don't figure out how to beat Iowa State, it's still going to be hyped. But if they do and they get to 6-2, and 4-1 and one overall, and Oklahoma's coming, in, coming to town, hell yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move to the mid-afternoon. Um, Florida State, Clemson's your pick. Uh, surf lightly, maybe get into everything that you need to. Done. Yep. All right, 2 p.m., Pac-12 Network. Oregon State goes to Colorado. TCU goes to Kansas on FS1. Uh, goal line thingamajigger starts. Arizona State goes to Southern California at 2.30 on ESPN2 slash ABC. It's a um, – it's a rotating game with yep. – uh, we'll get there in a second. Cincinnati goes to SMU on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Duke goes to Pittsburgh on the ACC Regional Network. Uh, CBS has a cocktail party, Florida, Georgia, 2.30. Illinois goes to Maryland at Big on Big Ten Network. Gross. Iowa <laughs> goes to Penn State at 2.30. Uh, violent or defensive yeah. on ESPN. Fox has K-State at Oklahoma. Uh, wow, really? Man, Fox, we gotta talk. Uh, Northern Illinois goes to BYU on ESPNU at two thirty. Uh, the other ABC ESPN two rotation game is South Florida at Houston. Look at the AAC getting a little shine on national television, uh, depending on your market. And then uh, Kentucky is at Missouri at three p.m. on the SEC network. And let's skip through here. UNLV is at San Jose State at five p.m. on the Mountain West, and then at five thirty. Washington is at Cal on FS1. We'll stop there before we get to 6 p.m. Um, okay. Um, I'm not going to say Washington Cal is a trap. Um, I'm, I mean, I can't believe K-State Oklahoma made national television. That's going to be a bloodletting. Um, South Florida Houston, fun, interesting. Don't know if Ed Oliver is going to play. Um, oh, I completely missed that. I didn't realize. Oh, because, yeah, that's right. He got hurt last week. Right, right. <clears throat> Um, South Florida really, a lot of people don't like them as undefeated. Like, really, no, oh, they're by far, thing, but yeah, they're by far the worst of the undefeated teams. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, they, like, people are just like frauds, like, just, it's rough. They were 27th. They were up to 27th in S&P two weeks ago. They, they have since beaten Tulsa and UConn by a combined nine points. So, I mean, that, it's, it's justifiable that people don't really, aren't really taking them all that seriously. But they can, uh, you know, they can change it. Beat, win at Houston and, and watch what happens. Uh, Iowa-Penn State was a grimy game for Penn State last year. Um, they got the full Iowa City effect. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how much of that translates uh, back in in Happy Valley. But um, I mean, Iowa's Iowa better in Penn State. Have a problem traveling their defense. 
Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, I was I was better than they were last year, and Penn State's worse than they were last year. Not dramatically or anything, but they are worse than they were last year. And and Iowa, pre- <coughs> excuse me, prevents big plays as well as anybody in the country. Um, they were all, like we we did a piece earlier this week about how little Iowa's punting. That doesn't necessarily mean their offense is good. They they're basically Michigan State. They they run twice and and then try to complete a pass on third and eight, but they're good enough at completing passes on third and eight that they're getting you know field goal attempts or whatever. Um, but it is, it is, you know, uh, it, it is going to be a physical and important game because the winner definitely is in very good shape for at least a New Year's Six Bowl. Iowa's got bigger plans than that because if they can keep winning, they can win the West. But um, and Penn State probably is out of that race. But um, but it, I mean, no, it's it's a very important. It's it's one of those games that is college football important. It doesn't really have national title implications, although Iowa fans, I'm sure, are still hoping they can you know finagle away to 12 and 1 but just generally mm-hmm. speaking it's just an important game it's going to be a good environment it's 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 got stakes of of whatever levels and it's going to be a good game Penn State needs to score some points early also speaking of this is what I can guess about Florida Georgia <laughs> yeah um if at if like halfway through the second quarter it's a, it's an even game or close to it they're you know 13 10 10 7 something like that mm-hmm. i think florida wins this game okay in every other every other circumstance if georgia comes out and they're you know two drives 14 points two drives 10 points then they get a turnover if there's that one moment where the 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 Todd Grantham uh risk reward system pays off poorly <laughs> yeah um, I think Georgia can run away with this thing. Um, I, everybody is talking about Georgia still um, as it relates to what they didn't do at LSU, but um, <clears throat> I just like the way they match up. I like the I like what they can do, and I don't. I still don't trust the Florida defense. I think Georgia is versatile enough to lean on them and push and run and run and run and run, and then. Um, I think they're creative enough on defense to to make Franks turn the ball over. Yeah, um, basically whoever runs the ball better um, is probably going to win the game. And basically, like Georgia's better at running the ball, but Florida's better at defending the run, so the matchups end up pretty even. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like this is still, especially in the passing game, this is still a very risk reward system for for Grantham. I mean, they they have a they rush the passer really really well. They they defend the pass really really well uh, as a whole. Uh, they don't defend the run all that well, uh, and obviously one kind of depends on the other. And so it, it is funny. Like if you look at trends, Florida has caught up to Georgia very quickly in the ratings. Uh, it makes sense that this game's within a touchdown, whereas like a month ago we would have assumed like Georgia by sixteen or something. That all makes sense. Uh, and if you believe in trends continuing, then maybe Florida's catching them right now. But it feels like this is kind of where, you know, Florida had a great month and then spent the 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 bye week getting their back padded. Georgia got romped by LSU and spent the bye week getting really pissed off. Uh, and I think heading into a game like this, I'd rather be the team that's pissed off. So um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, I'm assuming Georgia takes this one. But you know, <clears throat> at this point, I guess nothing's going to be particularly surprising. Yeah. All right. Um... Yeah, cocktail parties, you mean the pick. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Nothing really surprising there. Um, I think USF Houston can be fun for a little bit. Um, I like Houston's offense there. Um, Kentucky, Missouri, poor, poor Missouri. Uh, it's going to be like playing a different sport than last week against Memphis. Last week it was 65 to 32. This game might be 6 5. 
Um, Kentucky yeah. is going to just dumb things. They're really good at dumbing things down, making it like a 14-7-ish type ball game. I don't think they've given up more than 20 points all year. Uh, so if Missouri does that, they, they might score, you know, like a third as many points as last week and still win. Um, Kentucky's probably going to rotate quarterbacks. They're just going to try to basically steal, like, element of surprise to steal a touchdown or 10 points or something. Um, but it really – that from, from, a, from a closeness standpoint, that could be a very interesting game to watch as well. Uh, it bears mentioning that uh, Arizona USC should be monitored. I'm not saying you have to watch it, but um, <clears throat> USC, USC is – Yeah. It's similar to Louisville in that we don't have a great barometer for the whole situation in Heritage Hall, but um, they're very quick to act when they do, and this is the kind of situation in which they would they, – they, they tend to react out of embarrassment. Uh, oh, right. coaches, <laughs> and, and we are headed in that direction. How about that? Yeah, um, they were – last week was a surprise. They were trending upward, uh, and then they got destroyed by Utah. So I don't know where things stand at the moment. I guess this game will determine a yeah. lot of where things stand. If for some reason Arizona is able to win this game, and I don't think they will, uh, <clears throat> that's when all of the talk really starts to <laughs> Yeah, So just, just be mindful. Um, yeah, so uh, cocktail party's the pick. Uh, I do think that it's it'll be fun enough for our AAC friends to to tune in. And then if I have to pick a third, um, hmm, kind of tough. There's a lot on equal footing. Um, I, I Iowa Penn State. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I would, let's see let's see how well Iowa travels with the defense. I'm fine with that. And then, yep. you know. Okay, that works, that works. I feel good about that. All right. <laughs> and and when the move, biggest uh, game is on CBS, that means you'll have plenty of commercial breaks to, to, to flip over to the other games. Good God, it is a march of death. Uh, we're going to go 6 p.m. straight to the evening because the last game's at 9.30 Central. Um, 6 p.m. Boise is at Air uh, – sorry, oof, Boise is at Air Force, not Arizona State. Boise is at Air Force. It's uh, 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. ESPN Extra has New Mexico State at Texas State. North Carolina State goes to Syracuse on ESPN2. Texas A&M is at Mississippi State uh, at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Tulane goes to Tulsa on ESPNU. Uh, Wazoo is at Stanford on Pac-12 Network. Tennessee goes to South Carolina 630 uh, uh, SEC Network. And then uh, a primetime game, very strangely, uh, in San Diego at the old Charger Stadium is Navy and Notre Dame on CBS. Texas and Oklahoma State – I'm sorry, is at Oklahoma State 7 p.m. Uh, that is the ABC primetime game. Hawaii goes to Fresno uh, at 9.30 on ESPN2. Oregon goes to Arizona, 9.30 ESPN. San Diego State goes to Nevada. Yeah, Nevada, Nevada. Every game. Every Nevada game is 9.30, 9.30 p.m. on either ESPNU or CBS Sports, I think. Uh, so that's the entire evening. Um, right away, I just—I uh, I want to see if Texas can get past Oklahoma State. Um, this is the Oklahoma State team with some serious issues. We we definitely figured out that Jim Knowles experiment wasn't working. Um, this is the Texas team that's supposed to be like almost there together, like getting ready to be uh, a big in national power in 2019, right? That's what we've all been told, right? This is that game, dude. This is that game. It's in prime time. It's in Stillwater. Um, do the thing or don't, man. Do and the I, thing or I, don't. I, I hate that with just any Texas analysis at this point, I just come down to, hey, which team's going to show up? Because there's a good Texas and a bad Texas, and I assume this is a big enough game that we'll get good Texas. Um, and that probably makes well, – We very much know there's a – we know there's a bad Oklahoma State. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, in the picks post that I put up this morning, I, um, just made a quick remark about Oklahoma state. Like S and P still, it still has faith and I'm not completely sure why. Um, but they, yeah, they've had back-to-back disappointing performances and then they had a bye week. So maybe they've, you know, they've, they used a bye week to do a little self scout, make some changes and all that. But um, they're st- they're just extremely volatile. They're not incredibly efficient by OSU standards. They still make a ton of big plays. Those big plays vanished uh, or they, they couldn't finish in, after any big plays. They couldn't turn that into points against Kansas State. Uh, Texas State. Texas is basically a better Kansas State at this point. They grind like a talented team shouldn't have to but um they get they yeah no it's just i can talk about oklahoma state i want it just depends like does does good does does oklahoma texas show up or does baylor texas show up and that's really all that matters here i think um a couple couple subplots here obviously uh texas a&m and mississippi state is going to be a really interesting game to watch um winnable by either party i would definitely say um uh kind of same goes for i think nc state and syracuse um the winner of that uh, especially with the way if, if NC State's able to win that game and navigate out, they're headed to an extremely nice bowl. Yep. Um, Tennessee at South Carolina, you? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's got to be looking at that as – I mean, both – like, Tennessee's looking right. at that as an upset opportunity. South Carolina's looking at that as finally an easy win. Um, I don't really know who's which is what, Which is exactly how – which is exactly how you build out an upset opportunity in that yeah. circumstance, especially yeah. in SEC East. Whew, Oregon and Arizona. Uh, I can't. I can't endorse that. I can't endorse that at all. Um, uh, Wazoo at Stanford. Wazoo at Stanford. On it is on Pac-12 Network. But now you have to look at Wazoo through a completely different scope, and that they're marching towards the Rose Bowl, sure, um, or the conference championship. And so every week it becomes how long can they hang on? How long can they maintain this? Um, Stanford's it, definitely a trap game. I mean, well, I think oh, Wazoo's yeah, well, better right now, but it's. Yeah, no, I mean, it's – and Washington State and Purdue both have, like, the worst situations this week in that they, they're they coming off of, like, program-defining wins, the, you know, massive hangover opportunities. But not only is it a hangover, they got to go on the road to, pay a, to play a slog game against a super physical opponent. That's kind of the worst-case scenario yeah. for both teams, I think. Uh, and we'll see. Like, they, they both – both of them could lay eggs, and I hope not, but it's very, very possible. Uh, um. This is not a good enough Navy team to even make this a game against Notre Dame. I, I fear not. No. Nope, nope, nope. And it's funny. Like, I looked into um, that a okay. little bit. Like, why are they worse than normal? I was assuming it was offense because everything's offense-based. And, it, I mean, it, offense isn't quite as good, but um, their defense is horrible this year. And that's their biggest problem. Yeah. They can get by with, like, a bend-don't-break defense. They, now they just get they, they just get romped, and, and they're probably going to get romped against uh, Notre Dame on defense, and their offense has to be flawless, and it's not. And, and that stinks. Uh, nothing remarkable in the bargain event as I, yeah. I kind of scoot through. Um, you know, if North Texas is going to make a run, they got to do it. UAB going to UTEP, they should be fine. Uh, these are all buried in the ESPN Plus thing, so that's why they don't show up as broadcast games. Uh, man, the situation at Western Kentucky is not good. They get FIU, might lose that game again. So uh, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good uh, at all, Bill. Um, because I am me, yep. I am going to give a shout out to uh, we've got where did it go? I just saw it at, at uh, Harvard at Dartmouth, twelve thirty p.m. ESPN Plus. There you go. Kennesaw State's playing on ESPN Plus at five p.m. Wow. Um, evening pick is uh, Texas at Oklahoma State. 
Yep. I would recommend as a side, um, a combo of NC State Syracuse and Texas A&M, Mississippi State. Although, actually, I take that back. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, I won't. Here's why. I was gonna. I, I paused mid mid thought to try and include Wazoo Stanford. I can't watch that game. Nope. It's on Pac-12 Network. Yep. Yeah. So, such is the plight. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That that would probably be the number two game of the night. <laughs> Nobody's gonna see it. Yep. No one's gonna freaking see it. Uh, by the way, on the old look ahead spot, Tuesday night, October thirtieth, has two games: Kent State at Bowling Green and Miami of Ohio. Action has begun. It has begun. Halloween has a game too: Ball State and Toledo. Um, so we're good to go there. Yeah, good to go. We oh, got Maxion just wrapping us up in a warm blanket. <laughs> How much time we got? We do exactly. What about seven minutes of questions? Okay. So the goal here is to do the unthinkable for Mr. Bill Connolly. Uh oh. We're going to try and answer questions quickly. Hmm. Oh, like I'm the only one who gets wordy. I don't want to hear it. I'm just saying, if you could just keep it in check. Sure. Sure, sure. Um, keep it in check. You go first. Let's do – I tell you what, let's just do five. Ready? Sure. Oh, um, me. Okay, well, here's – since we br- touched on this earlier, a uh, recent question on Reddit, Workman451 asks, seeing what FAU has done offensively since Kendall Bryles left and what, uh, what Houston has done since his arrival, is it time to talk about maybe Bryles was key to FAU's 2017 season and does he have a chance at a P5 OC job or a G5 head coaching gig? Uh, to the first part, I mean – I, because we just dove into this answer, I already have it queued up, and that's their defense has been the much bigger problem this year, and uh, it's a freshman quarterback. So I would say that he, Kiffin still was was pulling had plenty to do with the offense. The offense hasn't fallen apart, but um, it turns out that uh, Kiffin's brother was made a pretty big difference defensively. Um, but I mean, all that said, Kendall Brown's future is very weird at the moment uh and uh, I, I, man a head coaching job though i just don't not yet but it'll happen eventually <sighs> totally yeah. right. um let's move let's move quickly let's go shikar man you're just blowing up the blowing up the act um uh let's go uh what are your thoughts on t martin as oc trying not to have a crazy fan moment <laughs> but the fanatic in me is coming out and i need to be talked down from the fire uh, everyone uh, the, from the fire everyone ledge considering the anemic offense granted I understand the production yeah it's exactly what you think it is um, it has not been great and it's not been uh, something that's going to boost him into a job which is what a lot of people thought would happen a couple years ago but also he lost a really talented quarterback I mean yeah. you know the, the fact that they weren't as prepared as we know that they weren't I think that's damning um, <laughs> I, I they may they may all get fired I definitely don't think you would not see a situation in, in which Helton would just stay on and then fire all all the offensive coaches. I don't think that that would be fair to Martin. No, um, they underachieved last year. Their their offense was just very. I, I just wasn't impressed. It wasn't dynamic. They were able to establish the run game sometimes, um, but it just wasn't nearly what I expected it to be last year. So I just haven't. I haven't been all that impressed with T. Martin. Period, and that that was my that was my statement that I kept trying to insert into the conversation last year when everybody's like, "Why isn't Tennessee calling T. Martin?" Well, then maybe they should have called him, 
but he hasn't really distinguished himself as an offensive coordinator. So I can't really justify him being a head coach anywhere either. Um, but it, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, where to go? I just had one. Okay. So uh, our friend Redmond Longhorn, uh, he's done some football study hall stuff for me. He's a stack guy. Uh, and he says he, he's a Washington uh, fan, despite the Longhorn in the title. Um, I am 100% on team hashtag analytics, but I can't ignore what I see. This Washington Husky team plays with zero evident emotion in contrast with Peterson's Boise State teams, which played up with an edge that bordered on dirty. Uh, any thoughts on this or the whole idea of emotion, fire, etc.? Um and then later on, uh, mm. some, somebody responded with, it's a P5, G5 thing. And he responded with, I think it goes deeper than that. There are lots of P5 teams that play with more evident emotion than the Huskies. Clearly, there are two sides to the quote-unquote playing with emotion coin. But it seems like it is possible to be too business-like contained and even keel. Um, yeah, th- th- this is obviously a very, very hard thing to analyze because we really quickly get into just we see whatever we want to see. Um, but I would say that, like – from an efficiency standpoint, which is what drives S&P Plus, um, th- that business-like demeanor, uh, the consistency involved is how you win a bunch of games. Uh, but, you know, volatil- having, having, being able to plug into some volatility occasionally can be a very good thing, and, and Washington doesn't make big plays this year. They, they, don't make, they don't allow you to make big plays either, which is good. But obviously, they are just kind of a stodgy offense. They'll get you – they'll get five yards, they'll move the chains, but if they have to make a play, we don't necessarily know that they'll do it. Um, so, I mean, that kind of qualifies, but, yeah, I just really – it's, it, it's not that emotion doesn't exist in football, but it's so hard to talk about. Yes. Um, somebody up in the Reddit saying, Godfrey always refers to Georgia Southern as the team I grew up cheering for. Does he not consider himself a fan anymore? What happened? Does he have a team he really cheers for hard? And does he miss being tied to a team every week? Forgive me if he's out of river. Before. Edit. Edit. I know he went to Ole Miss, but he doesn't strike me as a huge fan. Though. Um, I did grow up cheering for Georgia Southern. I sort of want them to do well, obviously, because it's the team I grew up cheering for. I am not an Ole Miss fan. And I am a fan. I am, one, a fan of college football. That's why I do this. I am a fan of the entire sport. Um, there are things that I want to see happen as a fan. There's things Bill wants to see happen as a fan. Uh, there's things that we deal with as professionals. Uh, but I don't have a one locked-in college football team. I like teams. You know, I have moments like I like Wyoming and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, th- there are teams like that that I will, I will have a – I'll have a fancy towards, but I, I mean, I do live and die with a team every week. They're just in the NFL um, and they are a cancer on my brain, but uh, I don't have anything no, locked in like that. And that's okay. I trust me. I'm still here. I still care. I promise. I promise. Um, all right. I'm going to leave on this one because I want you to do this really fast and don't think about it. Okay. Mm. PAPN is sponsoring. A, uh, this is, that was uh, MG will 24. This is BM Wallace. The Reddit names are hard to read out. APN is sponsoring a four-team G5 playoff. Bill and Godfrey are the selection committee for this playoff. And as of right now, which teams are in and which teams still have something to prove? Well, that's pretty easy. Uh, It's pretty easy at this point. Fresno State, App State, uh, UCF. uh, Fresno State. Go, 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 go. I don't have any idea who the fourth one would be. Utah State, I guess, still. I like it. All right. Maybe Georgia Southern. Let's not overdo it with the Georgia Southern. They are not on Utah State's level by any means. Well, they could beat at tonight. And with that, sure. I will see you on Sunday.